0: Hey everybody, Andy here. Welcome to the Your Move podcast where we help you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Before we jump into today's content, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who support Your Move financially. It's the generosity of people like you who make this podcast possible. So if listening to the podcast has inspired you to make better decisions and hopefully live with fewer regrets, would you consider supporting Your Move with a tax-deductible gift? To give, just visit yourmove.is/give. yourmove.is slash give. That's move.is. Slash give. Thanks for your support, and now here's this week's podcast. Today, I wanna to actually read the Christmas story. And the reason I wanna read the Christmas story is I have a feeling in the, in the midst of all of the busyness around Christmas, um, it's possible to get through the entire Christmas season and the day after Christmas, it dawns on you, even if it dawns on you at all. I think for a lot of people, it never even dawns on them. Hey, I got through the whole Christmas season and I celebrated Christmas and I never even heard the Christmas story. I mean, I drove by nativity scenes and yards in front of courthouses and stuff, but I, I never actually read the story. So today, I just want to take the, the gospel accounts of the, the birth narratives and string them together and basically just read the Christmas story. Now here's something interesting and hopefully you know this. We have um, we have four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We say that all the time because we want you to know that. And it's such a big, big deal that we don't just have an account. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew and Luke actually give us the birth narrative. You know, the whole thing about Jesus and Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph. We get, we get pieces of that story in Matthew and Luke. Um, Mark and John, Mark and John don't even mention the birth narratives. In fact, Mark is the shortest gospel and um, Mark is very, very direct. Here's here's how the the gospel of Mark begins. It's kind of direct, he starts like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, boom, and he just starts. It's like, forget Mary and Joseph and all that stuff. He goes right from there to John the Baptist and you're off to the races. John, the gospel writer, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who also wrote some other things that are in the New Testament, some letters in the New Testament. John, on the other hand, it's, It's so so fascinating because John doesn't really tell us what happened. John tells us why it happened. John tells us why Jesus came. He says stuff like this John begins his gospel this way The Word, that's God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, when he began his gospel, instead of the birth narratives, he decides to let everybody know listen, here's what really happened, here's the deal. God has made an appearance. Now, John's an old man when he writes this. I mean, he's seen Jesus crucified, he's peered into an empty tomb, he's seen the resurrected Jesus, and then he saw all the chaos that followed, the persecution of the church, the destruction of the temple. I mean, the whole world turned upside down. He's an old man, and looking back, he he just wants you to know right up front, hey, as you get into this thing, just in case you don't finish it, in case you don't get past the first chapter, you need to know. Here's what I think, having seen the whole thing. God showed up in a body, God in a body showed up and he made his dwelling or he camped out among us. He says things like this, he says the true light, this is up front, he just, again, it just goes to the why behind the what. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In other words, he says, I just want you to know that on the very first Christmas morning, God brought everybody a gift. He brought everybody a gift. The true light that was for everyone was coming into the world. He came to light up our lives. The true light which meant from that point on as we began to understand what Jesus taught that we would live our lives being able to see in dark places and understand things that people before Jesus never understood. That the light coming to the darkness means we would go, oh, I, I didn't know that. And oh, I never saw that in me before. And oh, I didn't realize that's how I'm supposed to treat people. But the thing that makes John's introduction, in fact, John's entire gospel so fascinating is that John is the one that gets so extremely personal about Jesus. He he, he writes this up front in his gospel, he says this, to all that would be you and me and you and you and your mother and your mother-in-law and your father-in-law and your cousin that you just don't wanna see this Christmas and your brother and your brother-in-law, to all who receive him and then it's like he paused and went, receive him. To all who receive him, okay, they're not gonna understand that, to all who receive him. How do you receive somebody you've never met? How do you receive a baby? How do you, re- how do you receive an adult that has gone on to heaven because he's writing this after the fact? How, to all those who receive him. And then John does something amazing. And this is so important and it's gonna sound kind of geeky, but this is so important. This is, this is extraordinary. John realizes, okay, they gotta get this. They gotta understand how personal this is. This is a, just a story. And so John, takes two Greek words that had never been combined before. John creates a phrase. He takes the Greek word for faith, pistuo, to believe, and then he takes the little Greek word, this little connector word that means in, it's a preposition, and he puts them together. And this has never been done before in in any Greek literature. He says, to those who receive him, to those who, how do I say this? To those who believed in, believed in. These two words had never been put together before in a phrase. To those who believed in, it's more than believe that. It's more the idea of placing one's weight upon. It's like trusting in. To those who receive him, to those who, to repeat the idea, believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's like John wants you to know this isn't just a story this is, this is so personal and if you wanna know the why behind the what, if you wanna know the why behind the birth narrative, if you wanna know the answer to the question, why do we even have these stories and why did Jesus come and why Mary and Joseph, why all that, the person to ask is John because he knew Jesus' mother Mary. He'd heard this story a hundred times and he experienced all of Jesus' ministry In fact, at the end of of John's gospel, at the end of his gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, at the very end, just to make sure we don't miss the why behind the what, here's how he closes it. We talked, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. He said, but these are written, this is at the very end of the book of John, but these are written that you, like you, and you, you, and you, you, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you, all of you use, you may have life in his name. John wanted us to know this actually happened. This is history. This is God in a body. And The purpose of it, the reason, the why behind the what is so that you could have a personal relationship with the God that up until this point seems so unknowable. It was true that God loved the whole world, but it was more than that. God loved the who's in the world. God loved the you's in the world. God loved every single individual. And it's true that Jesus, John would write, that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but John wanted us to know that Jesus died for your sin. And this is where we get the idea of a personal savior. You hear us talk about this all the time. You know, Christ is my personal savior. Savior, And John wanted us to know, this is personal, that Jesus came into the world for the whole world, but Jesus came into the world for every single individual person. And so he writes, but these are written that you as an individual may believe. Now, here's the coolest thing. And I promise I'm gonna get to the Christmas story, but I get so excited about that. Here's the thing, it took John And it took Matthew and it took Peter and Andrew and James and all the followers of Jesus. It took them three years to figure this out. And for three years, they kept waiting for him to do something he never planned to do. It took them three years to understand this is about a man who has come into the world, the son of God, to be the savior of the world, not just the savior of Israel. And it took them three years to realize they all along had had the wrong agenda. And here's the reason that's important for you and important for me, is because a lot of us have a, law, a wrong agenda when it comes to Jesus as well. We want Jesus to be so many things and we want Jesus to do so many things and we wanna put Jesus in so many different little boxes. And John wants us to make sure that we don't miss the why behind the what. That he didn't, Jesus didn't come to be a culture warrior. He didn't come simply to heal people. That Jesus came into this world to be a savior, a personal one-on-one as in you one savior and if john were here matthew Mark, luke john this person if john were here i think his question for us this christmas would be this question do you believe do you believe and not do you believe that but have you trusted In, to use that little phrase that he crafted to make sure that we didn't miss what it meant to receive Jesus. Do you believe? And I think here's what he would say. I don't know. He would say, if you don't believe, keep seeking. And if you aren't sure you believe, keep asking. Because he would say to you, hey, it took me a while too. I mean, I sat by the campfire with this guy. I saw miracles. I was in the boat when Peter jumped out and we thought, way to go, Peter. Then it's, oh no, Peter. I was there, I witnessed these things. And now I'm an old man and I realize it took us a while to understand why Jesus came. He came for the whole world. When Luke began his gospel, you know, Mark goes straight at, you know, let's just get going. John's like, let me tell you why. Luke is different because Luke begins his gospel this way. He says, hey, I've heard all these stories I've met all these fascinating people, I've seen miracles, I've talked to John, but somebody's got to write this thing down so people will know what happened. So Luke went around and interviewed all the eyewitnesses and put together an orderly account. Luke's gospel does not begin once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away. Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel begins with, I have talked to the people who were there, I've talked to the eyewitnesses, and I've put together an orderly account about how this thing actually came down. And Luke's gospel begins like this: God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, way up north in the town in, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Luke gives us all this detail because again, he's, he, anything he knows, he's putting it in his account. The virgin's name was, say it with me, Yeah, we knew that one. In fact, I actually thought about today doing the whole Christmas story as a fill in the blank and have all these blanks and see how much you knew. You know. Anyway, the virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. And what a statement this is. The Lord is with you because she was scared to death. In fact, the next verse says this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, Luke's writing all this down. But the angel continues. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You're not in trouble. I mean, remember when your dad would call you down or your mom would call you or you go to the principal's office? It was always bad news. So Mary's like, Here's an angel. I must be in trouble. Whenever God showed up, bad things happen in the Old Testament a lot of times, you know. Do not worry, Mary. You're highly favored of God. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you were to call him, now this is really important, okay? and you were to call him Jesus. Now, this is tricky. Jesus is actually the Latin name for Jesus. She didn't hear the name Jesus. She didn't hear the Greek word because the Greek word for Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew word that we know is Joshua, but there's no J in Hebrew. It's pronounced Yeshua, Yeshua. So, when this is important for later in the story, so he, she hears an angel say, You are going to give birth to a son, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what to name him. You are to name him after that Old Testament hero, Joshua. And that becomes, that becomes important later in the story. And he will be great, and he will be called the son. Your son is going to be called the son. Your son is going to be called the son. He will be called the son of the Most High and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Now we're gonna hit the pause button with Luke and we're gonna to go to Matthew. Here's how Matthew begins his, his account of Jesus' life. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Well, Matthew, tell us, You know what's your version of the story? Here's how he begins. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph But before they came together, she was, and this was a bad day, this was a bad day for Mary, she was found. Literally, she was found out. Literally, it was discovered. She, she was shocked and, and even though the angel had appeared and even though she knew this was coming and you know, maybe I was imagining that and how in the world is that gonna happen? And suddenly she realizes that she is pregnant and she tells someone who tells someone but she does not tell them her story because they would think she is crazy. She could have been executed. She would certainly be ostracized. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, that meant we have to keep the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but you know, I'm a graceful guy. Grace and law, grace and truth, grace and law. He decided, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, you you, you may know this, but in that day and age, because they'd been promised to each other, it was like they were married. But the scripture continues, and Matthew discovers, but after he considered this, after he thought this through and thought, I don't know what to do, what am I going to do? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So Matthew gives us Joseph's side of the story. And this is what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, even though people are gonna talk, even though people are gonna assume that you are the father, even though people are gonna assume that you have have brought disrespect and you've brought shame to your family. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son. And this is where it gets exciting for Joseph. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And again, he didn't hear Jesus, It's Latin. He didn't hear the Greek word. That's the transliteration of the Hebrew word that comes from the word Joshua that's pronounced Yeshua. And So, an angel says to him in a dream, Mary is going to give birth to a son. It's not your biological son. It's from the Holy Spirit, and you are to name him Joshua. You are to name him Yeshua because, and in this dream, or if Joseph had woken up, or if Joseph had had the presence of mind to respond, we don't know what was going through his mind, he would have said, you don't have to tell me because. I know because. Because if this son of mine, or this son of Mary, is to be born through the Holy Spirit, and is going to be given the name, Joshua, I know why he's here, and the angel said, and he will save his because he will save his people, to which Joseph would have said, I know that. I know he's gonna save his people because we all know that one day a Messiah will come, and the Messiah will come in the spirit of Joshua, He'll have the wisdom of Moses, but he will be a military leader like Joshua. And just like Joshua took the nation of Israel into the promised land and vanquished and conquered all of Israel's enemies in the same way the Messiah will show up and throw off Rome and throw off our enemies, and we will be a great nation again. I'm a part of the fulfillment of this thing we have all looked for. And I'm gonna have a son, and his name is gonna be Joshua, and he's gonna be like the Joshua of the Old Testament, and he's gonna save. His people. <laughs> the angel said, okay, hey, hey, I'm not done. And he will save his people from their sins. Oh. Uh, okay, Angel, hey, hey, time out, angel. Okay, that's not like a big deal. That's not even a pressing need. In fact, Angel, um, I don't know if you know this, but about I don't know, 70, 80 miles south of here, we have a pretty sophisticated save you from your sin system. It's called the temple. It's called the law of Moses. We got save you from your sins covered. This wasn't the agenda they had for their Messiah. And yet the angel said to Joseph, you're gonna have a son and he will come in the spirit of Joshua, the deliverer, the savior. But he's come to save your people from the thing they need saving from most, their sin. And when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded because that's what you do. (laughs) If an angel of the Lord appears to you, you will do whatever the angel told you to do. If you're sure it's an angel, you just will, no matter what you believe, you just will. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife even though they weren't married. Now we're gonna switch back to Luke because the story continues and this gets so dramatic and this is so big and this is so rich and you've heard these words a thousand times, they just kind of roll over us. This was such a big deal because some time goes by she begins to show, everybody knows she's pregnant. They still haven't had a wedding. There's all this murmuring and this rumors but who's gonna believe their crazy story? And then Luke gives us some more details In those days, Caesar Augustus, the first Roman emperor. Before this, Rome was a republic. Caesar Augustus changed all that. He became the king of of Rome and Rome never wanted a king. So in the the very season, in the very years, in the very era, when Rome had their first king, a Jewish king, Was born In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So you know the story. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth because they were way north in Galilee, down to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register as the law said, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting their child. And this was not an easy journey. Now in all the picture books and all the story books, Mary is riding a what? Donkey. Do you know which verse that's in? That would be no verses but it looks good, doesn't it? It just looks good, she's on that donkey, they're all by themselves, you know, going through the Badlands, he's in the front, kind of walking along, she's got her legs draped over, it's a great picture. Maybe that's how it happened. And they're making their way to the city of David to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy that would not have happened if the most powerful man in the world didn't decide to listen to his advisors and decide to count everybody at the most inopportune time imaginable. Isn't that cool? Interesting coincidence. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, freezing cold. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And this is so interesting because you, you know, we should ask the question, why shepherds? I mean, there are a lot of people, why not the plumbers? And all the plumbers were gathered, you know, at the bar and they or you know, why not not the farmers? I mean, why the shepherds? And the answer is we don't know, but here's what we know about shepherds. Shepherds, as I've mentioned before, were always ceremonially unclean. They could not enter, enter the temple. When you walk around behind thousands of sheep, you step in things. You are always ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. You provide the lambs for people to eat and you provide the lambs for the temple. And if they were in this area, they were certainly selling a lot of sheep to people who were going to make sacrifices for sin. But they themselves, in a way, in a sense, were kind of outcasts from the whole religious system. And so God chooses to announce the birth of his son to the group of people that would be least likely to be able to participate in something like this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. Everybody in this story is terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news. Oh, I thought I was being called the principal's office. I mean, when God calls, it couldn't possibly be good, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is the announcement to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, today in the town of David, here it is, a savior has been born to you guys you guys who thought you might be beyond saving, you guys who never got included in anything religious, a savior has been born to you. You're included. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one you've heard about your whole life, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Here's how you're gonna know you found him. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. Now, how are we gonna find a baby? We're not finished. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Oh, that's so unusual. A baby wrapped, we're not finished. And lying in a, something you guys know all about, a manger. And then suddenly, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. We all know this line. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor, even shepherds rest. And when the angels left them and gone on into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Now, here's what you need to understand if you're not a Christian. We have four accounts of the life of a carpenter from Nazareth. We have four accounts of the life of a a carpenter from Nazareth, why? Because my friends, something happened. And the fact that something happened was why it was recorded and why it was precious and why it was copied and why people died to make sure it made it to our generation. God came to earth in the form of a baby. And it was such a big deal that even though they were nobodies, This story was recorded and protected and copied and cherished. And people died to make sure it was passed from generation to generation. Christianity is not fragile because something happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. And then perhaps the most important verse in the whole birth narrative. I love this. And ladies, you you get this. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them, hid them, Rehearsed them, thought about it, refelt it, rethought about it, thought through the details in her heart. Because after all, who would believe her? Her reputation had been shattered. And so she told no one. Because no one would believe it. And we assume she tried to raise Jesus as normal as possible. And then one day, about 33 years later, she would watch her firstborn son die. And then she would peer into an empty tomb and she would be embraced by her resurrected son, who she knew without a doubt in that moment was in fact exactly what the angels foretold. He was the savior of the world, but he wasn't just a savior. He was her personal savior. And Matthew would do his best to write it down and get it right because something happened. And Luke would do his best to write it down and get it right because he wanted to put things in some sort of chronological order. But it would be John who took care of Mary. It would be John who would summarize it best. And years later, we can't even imagine this, years later, he's an old man and he's sitting by himself and he's writing all of this down to make sure that, hey, this has got to survive me, something happened. And he gets to this part in in the story of Jesus and and he he comes up with a way to summarize. He's like, how do I summarize this? How do I summarize this? And little did he know what he was about to write would be repeated and memorized by children and adults all over the world and languages that had yet to be spoken and nations that had yet to be discovered. And just think about this, it had never been written before, but John who saw it all, who experienced it all, who heard that birth narrative from Mary a dozen times, a hundred times, It's like, how do I summarize this? And in God's grace, he allowed John to say it best because John summarized it this way, for God, so loved the world. This is the Christmas story that he gave on that very first Christmas. His one and only son, that whoever, 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 and he's like, oh yeah, gotta use my phrase, believes in, trusts in, places their weight upon, will not perish, but have eternal Like, Can you imagine he, having been the one who wrote that? He's an old man and he dies and he wonders, will anybody do anything with this? You think this will get around? Here we are 2000 years later. Most of us can quote that, but he didn't stop there. Here's the part we never memorized as children. Here's the kicker, here's the punctuation, here's the thing, here's why we celebrate Christmas. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. For God did not, he would know he was there, this is John. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's Christmas. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the angels were right. The angel was right right to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds that God sent a savior into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, I wanted to take a minute to personally thank everyone who supports Your Move financially. It's the generosity of people like you who make this podcast possible. If you would like to make a tax-deductible gift to Your Move, you can visit our website at yourmove.is slash give. That's yourmove.is give. Thanks ahead of time for your support.